0: hey everyone this is rosalina
1: and this is shauna and we're your hosts for too young for this shit podcast
0: this podcast is not just about boobs but i journey with cancer we are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives we are in no way medical professionals nor are we offering medical advice any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. All right, welcome back, everyone. Welcome. We're
1: just going to start with, "How is your week, Shauna?" So my week was good, actually. I started. um my weekly Taxol treatments on this past Monday mm-hmm. and I kind of went into it like not even really nervous. I don't know if in meeting with my oncologist, you know, she said Taxol was like a breeze compared to to AC. And yeah. I had such terrible symptoms on AC that I would kind of went into it being like, okay, this is going to be a breeze. I'm not even nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, treatment this week was a little faster as well as ac oh that's good shaved off about an hour which is amazing when you're like cold capping for five hours yeah exactly (laughs) um but i found myself like really almost like triggered by the cold cap this week i think it's a smell and just knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable that's giving me anxiety beforehand almost like interesting like it's a plastic helmet that sits on your scalp and it smells like like a heavy duty yeah. plastic and it is it makes me so nauseous like i had to open up my bag the other day to get the brush out and i got a whiff of it and i it was like instant nausea did that happen when you were on ac so i think i mean the smell it bothered me but i think now that i know like you know i've done 5 like this was my fifth this past mm-hmm. monday and I think like now that I kind of know what to expect and kind of like been dreading it, I think it's like a just a reaction of like being nervous and anxious that I'm. It's making me sick to my stomach.
0: Ah uh, mm-hmm. yes, okay, that but, makes sense. Well, that's great that you know. Um, your symptoms was it as bad?
1: Yeah, no. So easy? this week, I mean, the symptoms were totally manageable. Like the worst. I didn't have any nausea I had to take I took one anti-nausea med the whole week, which for AC I had to take three or four a day to kind of just like get through the day. Mm-hmm. this I had to take it once during the week that was it and yeah, and the only thing that like yeah, the only issue I had is like I just felt super tired like I was kind of really exhausted and it was like early like it would be you know I'd get up by like seven thirty eight o'clock. And by, like, 12.45, 1, like, I just felt wiped. Like, I did, like, a target run, and I was, like, I think I actually might have to take a nap in the parking lot before I drive home. Like, that type of, exa- like, exhaustion. But, I mean, compared to AC, yes. like, I'll take it. Like, if I have to take a nap in the middle of the day, I'll let myself take a nap in the middle of the day. I'm not going to, you know, like, I'm not going to complain.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you're going through something very difficult in your life, so – you shouldn't be feeling guilty for (laughs) taking naps
1: exactly and as far as like the hair update of the week i um had like minimal shedding Mm -hmm. i got my hair washed it was like minimal in the sink which is like wash days are traumatizing yes um and my hairdresser who is my friend uh gave me topic which is like a hair fiber thing which i was like I'll mm-hmm. use it if I need it and I like I don't have any bald spots really but I it's thin and you can like see like parts of my scalp you could just see where it's thin you know so you used it for the first time yesterday and it is a game changer
0: it is I've used it uh, a couple times
1: yeah I mean I kind of wish I've been using it at least a month like I would have like felt better about what I was losing
0: yeah I mean I've I've lost more hair than you did and still you can't mm-hmm. Tell <laughs> that yeah. I lost hair. Like it just looks like my regular hair. But the one thing about Topic is that it's, it just gets in your scalp and it's kind of tough to get it out when you're washing your hair. So I try not to yeah. use it as much because of that. <laughs> I still have like black
1: spots on my scalp. Oh, well, it's also harder with the buildup that from not washing yeah. our hair often that, um, yeah. I could see that, but I mean, I'm, I was kind of like blown away yesterday when I used it for the first time. I was like, and I've had it for a few weeks and just was like, I don't, you know, it's not going to put anything in there. Like I'll deal with it, whatever, wear a baseball hat, which I've been wearing every day. And so it's been okay. And I don't know, like, I feel like I missed out on three weeks of like maybe feeling a little bit more comfortable enough to like leave the house and not have to wear a baseball cap. But now I know.
0: (laughs) Yes, now you know. But uh, uh how are you? Yeah, talking about hair. Um so something recent happened. I went out yesterday with my boyfriend and his coworker and his fiance. And usually when I go out, I'll wear my halo extension. So it's essentially just a little rubber like string that you just put on top of your hair. And so it doesn't it's it's not like a clip on or anything like that.
1: It just adds more volume to like the Right. The bot like the bottom like the bottoms of your hair.
0: Like and like a little bit of
1: length, right? Yes.
0: Yes. Mm Yes. So I usually wear that with like a hat so like a fedora and I would basically just like let my hair loose or I would put it into a braid yesterday I put it into two little pigtails <laughs> which I've never done before so I'm trying to experiment you know all that um shenanigan cute but yesterday we were walking and the coworker and the fiance were in front of us while my boyfriend and and I were behind my boyfriend put his arm around me
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> you're ready now and it snapped and so basically it he knocked over my hat yeah and I freaked out I was like oh my god and I was trying to get the hat quickly so I can put it back on and so the coworker and the fiance didn't see what was happening I did see her turn around, but she turned back around like to the front, like pretty quickly. So I'm not sure if she actually saw, Mm -hmm. but that was pretty traumatic because I'd never been vulnerable out in public like that. And so I'm trying to Mm -hmm. hide my vulnerability. And so, and I know that my boyfriend did it you know, by accident. Yeah, we have to be more careful because I'm going through a vulnerable stage that, you know, I'm trying yeah. to be as normal as possible without people looking at me weird because I have
1: bald spots on my head. So that is traumatizing. It definitely is. I, I've read, of, I mean, I've read of a couple of stories in the, um, in the support groups, a woman who her hat got knocked off while she was at an appointment getting her temperature checked you know with the temperature gun and she said the same thing the woman knocked it off and she was just in the waiting room and she was so upset by it like that she posted it in the capping group and she said she was like i never felt like worse in this journey right now than i did in that moment yeah so very valid
0: yes (laughs) but i i feel like this is something you know i wanted to share wanted to tell you guys like the vulnerable spots of you know things that happened to me that maybe could help you guys understand that like you're not alone in this and when when your hat gets knocked off just know that you like it's not the end of the world but for some reason yesterday it, it kind of felt like it was but then you just have to move on from it
1: definitely and I think too like there's there's a sense of grace when it comes to other people, like knowing what you're going through and like, you know, like friends that like know that you're dealing with this and cold capping. And a lot of people don't like, I keep seeing people and they're like, you still have hair. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm cold capping. Cause a lot of people don't know what that is either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think they're just more fascinated with the fact that like, you still have hair on your head than they are with the fact that like you're cold capping, it's thinning. It's not the same as it what you started with. Like, and there is a sense of grace being like, she still has hair that's amazing. They're not even looking for the bald spots. They're not looking cuz they just assume that we have hair yeah. on our head now, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a sense of grace. I I don't feel that way about my hair. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. just because I don't have bald spots, but it's definitely thin. Like my part is, you know, very thin, but I'm having that mm-hmm. issue with my port. Um because the port is, I mean, I can it's raised out of the skin. You know, and I yeah. have a scar from having the port placed and you know, I, I had to go find a dress for like a baby shower and I couldn't find a dress that wasn't spaghetti, like a sundress that like wasn't spaghetti strapped or like didn't have like the neck or I had a neckline that was like above my port because I'm very, very self conscious right. of it. Um, You know, yeah. I haven't been in a bathing suit much this summer because like I just don't want people looking at it. It's not pretty. It's you see it raised mm-hmm. out of my skin. I'm very self conscious about it. So just even trying to navigate like dressing to like going out to dinner, like I'm wearing like high neck like t-shirts or high neck like tank tops, you know, um, that has been a struggle for me. So I I feel, you know, I know the sense of vulnerability and the uncomfortability of just not wanting people to see it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we have to like think twice, you know, when like before we go out, it's like, okay, can people see this? uh can they not it's just another thought that we have to think about
1: (laughs) yeah it's funny too i keep catching people also like you know i'm i've had two fills in my expanders but they're not big you know i have like a very small chest right now probably an a um, I didn't have a big chest to begin with but I haven't really been wearing a bra because I don't yeah. need to you know don't have nipples yeah. <laughs> like I just I can just throw a t-shirt on now and it's kind of like
0: yeah <laughs> feeling.
1: but I, ca- I can catch people looking because they just don't they don't they know I had surgery but some people I don't know the extent of my surgery or like you could just like I see them like looking to kind of figure out like what's going yes. on down there or you know like That's weird to me. Yes,
0: that is also weird to me, too. I I had that as well. (laughs) Yeah. It's got – I don't know. It's like – can you not
1: <laughs> yeah
0: we're going through something like super traumatic and you need to look at my breast, especially if you're a male I'm sorry <laughs> that's something yeah. I cannot stand
1: <laughs> yeah well I think also too for me because like I don't have nipples so like people are trying like I'll wear like a white t-shirt and you can't see anything like you know right. like it's just you know and I, f- I find it when I wear like a like i trying not to wear like white T-shirts out because I, I feel like it's like people are like really staring because they just like I don't know what's under there. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, but we just have to give ourselves some grace again and just you know, this isn't forever, and people are gonna stare regardless. Like I um I was speaking with a woman who went through this at 38 and cold capping didn't exist, and she said that you know she's like she had I I knew her because I nannied went to preschool with her daughter and she said she goes it wasn't even the kids that stared the most when I was bald it was the adults and she's like that it was so uncomfortable and it's almost like the kids she's like they'll stare for a minute and they're like all right whatever like they don't know what's going on she's like the adults know what's going on and they just like it's like they were like looking through you like looking through your soul like that type of stare and she was like it was so uncomfortable and I'm like part of me is like kind of happy that we don't have to go through that I'm so
0: happy too like when you mentioned on our last episode about cold capping not existing until like I think 2011 Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I I thought it existed for a little bit longer than that and so I'm thankful that cold capping even though I lost like I would say like about 85 to 90 percent of my hair but um I'm I'm still able to go out and feel normal in this sense because I have like the topic that I can put on my hair or I can wear like the halo extensions I don't regret cold capping at all but my results of course (laughs) was a little different than what I expected but it is what it is and I'm, I'm hoping for regrowth after that but
1: yeah I you know, and even in the cold capping like support groups on Facebook, like every I've never seen anyone that said you know when it comes even for those that lost so much they they don't regret it because their hair grows yeah. so fast, and that's kind of like the mindset I'm like going into it with is just like if I lose my hair, I'll shave it, it is what it is, like it's gonna be upsetting, but I'll deal with that if and when that time cut at least it's gonna grow back fast, you know, and especially like we're hormone mm-hmm. positive, we're gonna have to be on tamoxifen or any you know some sort of hormone therapy after this and some of those side effects are Mm -hmm. loss of hair or like there's no regrowth and for me didn't want to even give that chance like I'd rather keep the follicle save it and then you know just like try to keep as much and have it grow back as fast as possible so that when the time comes for hormone therapy it's just that's like not you know like not a bad option
0: yeah yeah exactly well I mean, this episode today is talking about, you know, our plans, our doctor's appointments, seeking second opinions. And so Shauna is going to tell her story. And I'm really excited to hear everything about it. I've heard like little bits and pieces of it, but not the whole mm-hmm. story. So let's start it.
1: Yeah. So um, once I had gotten my results back from the radiologist. Uh she had called me. I, I mean, I had they kind of told me even before my biopsy that this is what it was. During the biopsy, I went into it like knowing that this is what it was. So when she called me, it was not a shock. You know, I was kind of like, "Okay, what's next?" Like that's just been like one of my biggest like things in this journey is like, "Okay, what's next? What's next? What's next?" Like I need milestones, I need concrete plans and I'll be able to get through this. So she had called and, you know, gave me the news. And I said, okay, what's next? And she's like, you need to make an appointment with a breast surgeon. And that was kind of shocking to me because I just assumed, okay, it's cancer. My next step probably would be an oncologist, but it's not actually. They set you up with a breast surgeon first. Well, they recommend, you know, make an appointment with a breast surgeon first. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I ended up going home and then doing some research for breast surgeons and oncologists, kind of just seeing um, different hospitals and different cancer centers and things like that. And kind of was on, uh, I went on Zocdoc, which for those of you who don't know, it's like an online appointment app that you put your insurance in and it will tell you what doctors take your insurance and you can like easily set up an appointment that way. That's really a good resource. Actually, I'd never heard of that. No. no, it's amazing. I think it started in New York. Um, I know they have like an office down in Soho. I found them a few years ago and I have found like amazing doctors off of it. I found my general practitioner. I found my dermatologist who I love. I found my gynecologist. You know, I found like all this. And it's amazing because you have your health insurance just right on there and it will tell you who accepts it and you can set up an appointment. You like don't even have to call. Is there like a rating system? There's a rating system, Yeah. And, um, nice. there's a review system, you know, it just for based off of everything, like office, the actual doctor, it, it's a really great company. It's a really great app. I've been using it probably for about five years now. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's in LA, but it, I would definitely like look into it if you yeah. are like me and don't like to call and have to give your insurance <laughs> over the phone and you know, that, yes. that, the whole thing. So I, I started on there and then ended up on tech like, website, trying to figure out who took my insurance and just kind of like started doing like research on my own. And there was a breast surgeon from NYU that came up. She took my insurance. She had really good reviews. I ended up calling them. I think it was about the next day after I had talked to the the radiologist because I had spoken to her in the afternoon. So I was like, all right, tomorrow's a new day. We're starting. I called and made an appointment and the secretary there was amazing. Like took down all my info. She basically got everything set up for me. I never had to call my insurance company. She called the radiologist's office to get all of my imaging. It was like, it was amazing. Just, she, it was, everything was done for me. You didn't have to worry about any of that. Exactly. So I was able to get yeah. an appointment within like a week. And, you know, I was also looking at hospitals like Sloan Kettering in New York, which is, you know, one of the best yeah, hospitals. The
0: number one. The number yeah. one.
1: <laughs> um, but my insurance wasn't covered there, um, which was... Upsetting because it is like almost a name brand in cancer. And I was like, probably the best care I'm going to get. And, you know, I was considering switching health insurances, but I was like, let me go and just do my due diligence and see what else is out there before I make any rash decision. So within the, I think it was a little, I think a week to the day or maybe a day less than a week, I was able to see the um, breast surgeon at NYU. Her name is uh, Dr. Freya Schnabel. Went into that doctor's appointment knowing that I had invasive ductal carcinoma, that it was slow growing, the size of my tumor, but my biomarkers were not back. So my bio, your biomarkers are, are you hormone positive, HER2, positive or negative? And then all of those factors determine your surgery, when your surgery is, the type of surgery you're going to have, and then also your treatment. Because if you're HER2 positive, it's a different treatment plan to hormone positive triple negative triple positive it's there's a lot of factors which you know come into play when making your general plan of attack on your breast cancer so i didn't have my biomarkers back the breast surgeon's office they were amazing we're like so on top of it called the pathologist's office the radiologist's office like twice a day being like are they in are they in are they in um they were really great with that so um I walked in not knowing that, but kind of went in knowing like I had made the decision. You know, I think I said this in in one of our earlier episodes. Like I went into that being like I want a double mastectomy. I don't want to deal with this again, so I didn't have to make like a very hard decision on lumpectomy, single mastectomy, double mastectomy. Like I, I was like, that's what I want to do. Making that hard decision was off the table because I had already made it. The breast surgeon was not the most warm and fuzzy. She wasn't, like, the bedside manner wasn't totally, like, nurturing, like, you know, like, let me hold your hand and deal with this. Like, she was very a matter-of-fact, we're going to save your life. She gave me all the reconstruction options, but wasn't, like, that wasn't a priority for her. The priority was, we're saving your life. We're going to do it the most efficient way, the right way. And then after we do that reconstruction And you deal with that with the plastic surgeon for me was a little upsetting because I am 32. I am young. I want my reconstruction to look as best as possible. And and I want to feel like myself for me. I kind of went in there being like, okay, like I really want to talk about the cosmetic aspect of this because this is important to me, but I respected the fact that she was first and foremost, we save your life. Like we're doing, that's the priority here. Yeah. And I thought, Maybe in the beginning, like, maybe this isn't the type of bedside manner I want, but I respected it. And I was like, you know what? I have other people around me that will hold my hand and coddle me and, you know, get me through this. I don't need my breast surgeon to do that for me. So, you know, I was, like, confident that I, like, liked her. Like, I felt she's going to get this done. You know, once we kind of got that out of the way, I was like, okay, you know, the cosmetic stuff will be with a plastic surgeon. Now what do we do, you know? So she immediately was like, we're going to first and foremost send you downstairs and you're going to get a blood test for like a full genetics test. Like we need to also know if this is genetic. Like if you have a BRCA gene, BRCA1 or BRCA2, that also changes a lot because they recommend most women that do carry the BRCA gene, not only do a double mastectomy either preventatively or if the woman already has cancer, like just indefinitely, but also a hysterectomy is on the table because you are more predisposed to having ovarian cervical, like cancers, you know. So that was her first thing. She was like, I'm sending you downstairs. As soon as we're done with this, you're getting a genetics test, which for me was like, I want that. You know, I I, I like that. I like knowing the risks.
0: I'm glad she um, did that quickly for you. Oh, yeah.
1: That was quick. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it was great because you know, like I didn't have to be sent to a lab you know on another block or across town to get it. It was like everything was in house, which I also really liked and think that that was you know a huge um plus for me is being like, okay, like I choose this hospital and this breast surgeon, everything's gonna be done here, all my imaging, all of my blood work and labs, and if I have to have treatment, it's right in this building, and that to me was like a I like this. I like that I don't have to be running all over New York City to different doctors and, and, you know, everything's kind of here. So that was one of the first things we discussed, you know, after kind of getting like the fact that I, I wanted a double mastectomy out of the way and, you know, just talking about biomarkers and, and everything else. So she had said, um, yeah, send you for the genetics test. And then we also spoke about fertility, which again, we're going to do a full episode on fertility but you know she had asked me is this something that you're interested in doing because if you do have to have any sort of treatment you want to get that done pretty quickly I said you know definitely absolutely her office wrote down a fertility specialist that took my insurance nice and all I had to do was call and it was kind of like I like that part too I didn't have to do any work trying to figure out who took my health insurance exactly so I was like okay I like this too. Before she asked you that question, have you ever thought about fertility and, you know, doing that process? I mean, I definitely did. You know, a lot of my friends are married on their first or second children. You know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. But but, you know, we could constantly think about our biological clocks and it ticking and, Mm -hmm. you know, safely wanting to be able to conceive and, and the risks of doing it later in life. And, you know, I had thought about it, um but it is expensive. It's, it's, you know, very expensive, very expensive. And, you know, so it wasn't something that I always thought like, oh, I would love to do it. Definitely would love information on it. I think it's always good to have the insurance policy and like the younger, my eggs, the healthier the embryos and, the, you know, just, it's a safe choice and kind of an easy choice to make, especially if you are financially in the position to do it. So mm-hmm. that was an easy decision, too. Like, you know, me and my boyfriend had talked about it, obviously discussed it and thought it was worth it. So they found that for me. I saw him, but that's for our fertility episode, which is coming up soon, a couple episodes. So I won't really get into much of that. But the other thing she, ordered was an MRI because she wanted to see if it was in my lymph nodes. So she ordered an MRI, which I went to, I think, maybe five days after my appointment, I went. Um, And those results showed I had no lymph node involvement at the time. And they still, during your double mastectomy, will take lymph nodes and check. But at that time... No other imaging was ordered because it didn't show anything in my lymph nodes. So I didn't have to have a PET scan or a CT scan.
0: Yes. So an MRI is basically she wanted to see whether there was cancer on your uh, other breast Mm -hmm. and also if there were lymph nodes involved. Right. Yeah. If there was any
1: other areas that would not have been covered in the mammogram sonogram yes exactly so that was the only other thing she ordered and you know i was very honest from the beginning going in there you know going into these you're you're interviewing a breast surgeon and an oncologist and you're these doctors and you know i said i'm gonna get a second opinion every website that i looked up said get a second opinion and they were like no definitely get a second opinion they were like we're not you know we're not trying to like sell you on anything like this is our professional medical like opinions and you know, you do what you gotta do, you know. So I said, okay, I'm gonna get the MRI, made an appointment to come back to see her and kind of left it at that. That was my first meeting with that particular breast surgeon at NYU. And I left feeling like confident, like I liked I liked what was going on there, you know. Um, but was still like very curious on well, what else is out there? You know, like is there is there gonna be another surgeon that gives me a completely different outlook on this situation or is going to tell right. me something that I actually want to hear. Because based on where my tumor was, nipple sparing in a mastectomy mm-hmm. wasn't an option for me. Uh, it would have been too close to the skin, probably wouldn't have gotten clear margins. The breast surgeon kind of said off the bat, like, we're going to probably end up having to take those. Like, there was not even a, really a discussion of, we might be able to save them, you know? How did you feel in that moment?
0: Like... Is that a big change that you didn't
1: foresee happening? So I went into it only just learning about the nipple sparing. So I did ask, you know, just out of curiosity. But I had at that point, too, knew had I kept that, that also could have been a risk for a reoccurrence. Um, and I went into it kind of like very a piece of my decision of a double mastectomy and knowing that that would have been a part of it. So I wasn't devastated, to be honest. Okay. But that option would have been great. Like to hear that that would have been an option for me would have been something that maybe would have like lessened the blow a little bit. But I was I wasn't like devastated by it at all. Like, yeah. Okay, it was just off the table. Mm-hmm. So my old employer. So for my second opinion, uh, my old employer. Her kids go to school with a breast surgeon at Mount Sinai in New York City. Uh, her name was Dr. Lehman, and I actually was able to get like this woman's personal cell phone number, but I felt weird calling her, um even though she was like, "Yeah, have her call me. it's fine, But I felt like a little weird. I was like, "Let me make an appointment."
0: yeah, <laughs> so
1: I had at that point already had my MRI done and knew there was no lymph node involvement. This was you know, I saw her probably I think it was about a week after I had gotten the MRI results probably two or three days before that appointment, and it was like a week after if I'm not mistaken whatever the timeline is there and I went to Mount Sinai in the city and I brought um my boyfriend couldn't come with me for that appointment but I brought a friend and we got to the hospital and we get off the elevator and there is like this the plastic sheets like construction like plastic blocking like a major portion of this hallway Mm -hmm. and I was like we got off on the wrong floor like what's happening here? And finally, I like realized, I'm like, all right, well, well, there's a hallway this way. Let's go check it out. Because we got off on the right floor. So it's like a half a construction zone, which was like a little weird to me. And we're in the waiting room. And, um, you know, we get called in and I go into this uh, doctor's office, you know, like I'm in an exam room, I'm in a gown, it's now I think end of January, it's cold, you know, the windows are drafty. And we waited for like over an hour. And at NYU, I didn't wait at all. Like I got right in. Everybody knew there was no, like, they they had already looked at all my imaging. They didn't have to get on a computer. They didn't have to double check anything. I walked into NYU and they knew exactly what was going on with my case. They had done their, you know, like research before I walked in, they knew everything, you know? This was not so much like that at at Mount Sinai. Like I watched her put she left the room and had mm-hmm. to put the the imaging from my um mammogram, MRI and sonogram. Like and go into the other room, look it up and then come back in, which I was kind of like I had
0: a similar experience too. <laughs> yeah, and I was
1: kind of like this is, you know, and, and granted I had already spent over an hour in the waiting room waiting for her in a gown. I was freezing you know, but I did like her. Like once I met with her, she was young. She very much emphasized my concerns about the cosmetic portion of this process. She told me we could definitely try to nipple spare. So I was kind of like, I like her, like, she's telling me what I want to hear. And I I do I like like this, you know, but again, like, she, you know, she was young. And I thought like, I could relate to her, you know, probably more than my older breast surgeon at NYU. But There was too many factors there that just, you know, the construction, the building, the waiting, the the just feeling like they kind of blew in, you know, and just like weren't prepared for me. And that was a big reason I didn't go with Mount Sinai.
0: And I think those are valid reasons because imagine like you're always going to have appointments at that clinic And every time you make an appointment, you have to wait an hour. Like that's
1: not feasible. Well, imagine too going in for like any type of test result and you're in the waiting room for an hour. Yeah. And you're already anxious and like concerned that you're about to walk into this room and you're gonna get news that you don't necessarily wanna hear. And to have to sit there and wait for an hour is just doesn't do anything for my anxiety. It's actually gonna make it ten times worse. So there was like a lot of factors, like as much as I liked her, it just, there was too many things that I didn't like. So I I might've like, if she, if this doctor was at NYU, it would have been like my perfect scenario to be completely honest with you. Like I, that would have been no, no question. I would have went that way. And, and both doctors, like I said, had great reviews, like really good reviews. So it. it it was, it really kind of came down to like hospital situations for me. NYU was such a well-oiled machine. They, I didn't have to do any work. They made all my appointments. They found all the specialists, you know, the whole thing. And it was, you know, it was kind of like they did all the work for me. Like it's kind of a no brainer to go.
0: Yeah. I definitely had a similar type of experience and like exactly what you mentioned, like why you didn't go towards that clinic like that was the same reasons I did not either so I thought that was pretty funny that you know we both had two different opinions and we went towards the first one because it was easier they made all of your appointments you didn't have to like lift a finger essentially so I think that's really important too in like deciding whether to choose one or the other because essentially, like, as I mentioned before, you're constantly going to have appointments and review your test results. And like, you want to feel comfortable at the clinic and also feel comfortable in the sense that like, they're going to do all the work for you.
1: And hopefully you don't have to do anything you're dealing with enough, like I imagine having to, you know, deal with insurance companies, like, calling them to even get like who takes your insurance and like just I mean everything like have it like eliminated and where I can just focus on like I have big decisions to make and I could solely focus on that game changer yeah absolutely for sure so um I ended up after that appointment leaving and being like I'm going with NYU like without a doubt you know I, I still in the back of my mind was considering changing my insurance to go to Sloan Kettering. You know, like it just, I don't know, for some reason I had it in my head that I'm, you know, was gonna just get this, I was gonna get the most absolute fantastic, amazing care there, and it was gonna be worth it. Um, the same boss that referred me to the breast surgeon at Mount Sinai, her very, very, very good friend is a radiology oncologist that I had spoken to um, shortly after my biopsy. And again, it was just my old boss set it up like, just talk to her, she'll answer any questions you have. It's just a really good resource. You know, she's based in the West Coast now, so it's not like I would be able to to see her. Um, but you know, it would definitely be like a good resource to talk. And I was like, absolutely. And I had met her, I've met her children, she knows who I am. So it was like very easy. I felt very comfortable like having a conversation with her over the phone. And she was amazing like just broke everything down for me at that point still didn't have my biomarkers back and you know i ended up speaking to her and was saying what is like the best case cancer diagnosis like what do i want to have you know and she explained everything to me and she's like you want to be hormone positive ER, erpr positive her two negative would be the you know the best case for you um and luckily, I mean, it ended up working out that way. But one of my biggest things with her, she had worked in New York. She had done a residency at Sloan. She had done a residency at NYU. She, you know, I said to her, is it worth it for me to switch my insurance, wait the month that, you know, the new insurance kicks in and go to Sloan? And she said, get your biomarkers back first. She goes, because if you have a cancer that is like the run of the mill, they've treated it a million and one times, you know, you have like the basic cancer diagnosis, nothing crazy you're going to get the same care that you will at NYU or Mount Sinai that you will at Sloan Kettering. She goes, and honestly, you'll get an appointment faster. And at that point, I had already seen both, you know. So at that point, for me, I was like, you know what, Sloan, I'm going to just, I don't need to, I don't need to go there. You know, if this is a basic (laughs) cancer, I guess, you know, diagnosis, I'm just going to stick with NYU at that point, you know. So she made me feel really confident that I was making the right choice with going where I had chose to NYU Pirmwater Cancer Center for, for you know, treatment, surgery and, and everything else. So it was really like, a really great resource because um, going into the following rest of my appointments, I knew what to expect. When they told me I knew what the treatments were going to be for each different cancer diagnosis, you know, or two, like I said before, is a different treatment plan. And most people with HER2 positive do treatment, then they do surgery. Hormone positive, like you and I, uh, treatment chemo is not going to shrink our tumors. So for the most part, women like us with hormone positive breast cancer will have surgery first, then treatment yeah. second, if if need be. You know. Um. So I kind of went into it feeling so much more like confident. I knew what I was talking about. You know. And and granted, I had done a ton of research on my own, and but I felt mm-hmm. you know by my second visit with the breast surgeon at NYU. I felt like confident that I knew and I went in there yeah. hearing the biomarkers had come back and I was hormone positive her too negative. Thank God it was everything I wanted to hear in that. And she said, you know, we're going to set you up with the oncologist, you know, referred me literally to two offices down from her on the same floor, the oncologist that I currently see Dr. Myers, um, who is the head of oncology at NYU, which immediately you hear that and you're like, I'm getting the best of the best care, you know. The medical oncologist. The right? medical oncologist. Yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. So I ended up meeting with her. I think it was that same day, actually. Uh, she was able. That's to, wonderful to see me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I got a breast exam from her. And at that point, once I had met with her, my breast surgeon and my oncologist met and said, "Okay, you like that's like my that second visit was when my plan went into place. We picked a surgery date." Um, and kind of, I, you know, I had heard in that second appointment, the oncologist was there, they had spoken and that they thought because of my age, that chemo was going to be on the table. And, yeah. um, because there's no lymph node involvement, radio, yeah uh, not radiology, um, radiation at that time wasn't going to be necessary. So mm-hmm. I left that doctor's appointment. You know, they also found my plastic surgeon, which was affiliated with NYU, called, made an nice. appointment for me. And again, I was like, at that point, I was like, I picked where this is where I need to be. You know, like everything was just easy and done for me. And I just felt like super confident in the care that I was getting. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from there, we set a surgery date. I had, at that point, I had already got the ball rolling with fertility. So I was diagnosed January 14th was when I got that confirmation after my biopsy that I had cancer and my double mastectomy was scheduled for March 2nd. This was about a month and a half. From there, I also, like I said, my breast surgeon, actually the oncologist set me up with the plastic surgeon, made the appointment for me. um, And I ended up meeting her. I only actually saw her one time before my surgery. Um, She was young uh, you know, probably maybe my age, maybe like a couple years younger, which I liked because I, I liked, I liked the idea of having somebody my own age that was going to take my reconstruction concerns seriously. And my reconstruction, like the cosmetic parts of that, like, I want these to look good. Like I'm young. I have a lot of life to live. Like, you know, there's a lot of older women that make the, the decision to go to go flat, or there's a lot of women that you know are double D's and they're like, I'm cool with an yeah. A, you know, like after being so heavy chested, like, you know, part of me was like, if I can go up a size, I would really like to do that. I've always been a small B. Why not? You know, like, you know, and, you know, I know everyone says it's like, you know, reconstruction is like a free boob job. And I'm saying that in quotations because it's not like, it's not a free boob job. Like, exactly. I would have never have opted for a boob job before my cancer diagnosis. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is necessary at this point. It's it's not. And then, um, so I went in and she was just very, she listened to all of my mm-hmm. concerns and she was like, we'll get mm-hmm. you there. We're, you know, I'll get you there. And I, I hear you. And, you know, I can at least get you to the, I know I can definitely get you to the size that you are now and we'll do our best to get you bigger and just listened. And I was like, I felt confident from the jump.
0: It's like she understood exactly yeah. what your needs were. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and 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 she was very honest about you know as you know she really explained to me because I was very concerned about drains like you hear about the the drains that you have and we'll discuss that during you know our our surgery episode but it's not you know that almost seems like the scary like you're getting your breasts removed and I was just so terrified about the drains that I was going to have for a few days after mm-hmm. you know and she really you know like kind of walked me through that to where I left and I was like all right like it sucks but we'll get through it you know and i don't know i just like i had a good feeling from the beginning of being there and and the facility was just like she was in so the my plastic surgeon isn't in the same building as my cancer center it's um about nine blocks eight blocks away Uh but the facility she is in is like state-of-the-art beautiful you almost feel like you're in like a futuristic like doctor's office like it's just gorgeous and and clean and like immaculate and that was another thing too I, I I guess I'm basing my doctors off of too like
0: I was just gonna say like the vibe the experience that you're in like it matters
1: <laughs> yeah the nurse coordinators too like my breast surgeon's nurse coordinator I am in love with I love her Deirdre she's an angel I see her in the I like you know, my oncologist has a different nurse coordinator that I'm like currently in treatment. And, like that's who I interact with. But when I see Deirdre in the office, I just want to like, I just want to hug her and put her in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I just like adore her. Um, So I'm also basing like, how easy is it to get an appointment with you? What is your, your secretary's like? Like what, like there's so many moving parts in this. It's not just, okay, your breast surgeon, your plastic surgeon, your oncologist. Like it's the facilities, what you're walking into, who you're dealing with there. Are the people being nice to you when you call on the phone? You know, like, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to consider. That's important. Yeah. Like, you know, the app too. I don't know if your, your hospital has like a, an app. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like amazing. Everything I need is in that Mm -hmm. app. Like I can message my doctors. Mm -hmm. I can make an appointment. I can cancel an appointment. I can check in. I can pay my copay. It's like, I, it's amazing. I know. Yes. I love it. I'm on the thing like 14 times a day checking (laughs) because I can't, I can't remember anything exactly. because of chemo at the moment. So yeah. I'm like constantly like, what time is my appointment? What date do I have to go? When is this? I'm like, I'm on it more than any app on my phone.
0: And I don't know if you know this, but you can sync your appointments to your Google calendar. I I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't yeah. have to like log into the app every time. It it like syncs and it reminds me of when my appointments are. So it's like I didn't
1: good. know that, but I'm going to do that the yeah. second I'm done with this podcast <laughs> recording because that... That is going to make my life so much easier. Yeah. But, you know, that, like, seeking those second opinions, like, had I not seen a second opinion, it would not – maybe I would not have felt as comfortable and having the experience that I'm having had I not seen what else is out there. And it's so important. And every – or like I said before, every article I ever read, you know, said, go get a second opinion. And I think that that's why. Because – You're not, you might get a completely different outlook than you would.
0: Exactly. And plus something to note is that, um, and I, I believe this is true that like all health insurance allow you to have a second opinion, but you just need to double check with your EOB, your explanation of benefits and make sure that they allow you to seek a second opinion. But for the most part, from what I read, like most insurance should be able to cover that so that's something to note there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're just responsible for your copay. And, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to call for any type of um, like authorization to be able to seek a second opinion. Me either. But yeah. In these support groups, I hear these women who have like their reconstruction is denied or, you know, like they got a bill and I'm like, I haven't had anything like that. I'm like very grateful, you know, like some insurance companies are nightmares to work with. So mm-hmm. yeah. Also, something to note, too, your reconstruction Mm -hmm. and every surgery after your breast cancer, you know, anything that has to do with reconstruction, having implants taken out, put back in, replaced, that is covered for the rest of your life. That is covered. You should not be getting a bill for that. Yep. Um, If you need, you know, the shelf life of implants, breast implants are, it's not, some people can do 20 years, you know, some people have to do 10. It really kind of all depends on the manufacturing and recalls and things like that. But breast implants get recalled too. like, your insurance has to cover that.
0: Yeah, I would say um, it definitely depends on your deductible and your out of pocket max. But yes, you you're correct. Yeah. In in the sense that like your health insurance would not deny getting a reconstruction, even if it's past, you know, two to three years, five years, 10 years, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, they will yeah. always accept
1: it, which is something I didn't know before this either, you know, because that's a you know, I, I think that would be a definitely a major decision made, like making think being like, okay, like, all right, my my insurance company is going to cover my breast implants. But in 10 years, am I going to be financially stable to have them removed and get a new set of implants in if need be, you know, think about how many women would stay flat knowing that they can't afford to do that. And then what are they going to do when the time comes? So, you know, definitely something to just keep in the back of your head and also too, like revision surgeries as well. Like there's a lot of women who are not happy with the reconstruction or have rippling or, you know, just decide they they they're they're under the muscle. They want to go over the muscle like you can have a revision surgery as well. It's all covered. The
0: breast surgeon and and all Mm -hmm. those people like they don't tell us those things, and it's because it obviously depends on your health insurance. Exactly what Shauna was saying is that like if you're not happy with your reconstruction, you can do it again. Like make sure Mm -hmm. to tell your plastic surgeon what you're happy about, what you're not happy about, and you know they
1: they need to make it happen exactly and also too you don't have to go back to that same plastic surgeon that, go yeah, to a new uh-huh. one if you are not happy and your plastic surgeons also not like hearing your concerns and saying, okay like i hear you we're gonna get this fixed i see what you're saying you know yep. find somebody else and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: you are in control with who you want to see mm-hmm. and i feel like with us women, we tend to feel guilty when, you know, we're not going back to see that person that took care of us. And it's essentially like, you need to be selfish, you need to worry about what makes you happy. And if your gut feeling is telling you that that person is not meeting your needs, go see another person, you're not going to hurt their feelings it's their job to tell you what exactly they can do and if if you're not happy with what they're telling you go see another person I
1: know from experience too like everything that happens in your journey happens so quickly especially in the beginning scheduling surgery is you know kind of going through you know court placements you know if you're doing fertility it's a lot of procedures all at once you know and your body goes through a lot of trauma as far as everything like you don't have to make decisions right away too i think ultimately if you decide to go flat they can't do any type of reconstruction like you can't go back in which don't i am almost positive that that's what it is so you know if you make the decision to go flat like from the jump you know think about that because i don't think that you have many reconstruction options after but if you decide okay i'm going to keep my expanders you don't have to make a decision right away if you want to give your body a break Get expanders, don't fill them all the way and do the surgery when you are like ready to put your body through more. You know, like it doesn't have to be this, you know, like a lot of people feel uncomfortable with expanders and like want to just have to have their revision surgery and get it over with. But I could see a lot of people too. Um, you know, as far as reconstruction, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of different options. There's the deep flat where it's basically they take your own body fat and, and make breasts out of that. There's expanders that get filled until you know you get to the size that you want and then expanders get put in you know you can get implants with some fat grafting like there's a lot of um different options and then not only that there's nipple reconstruction so you can actually essentially get a nipple made out of your own flesh and that is another like you're out of your own tissue excuse me and that is another surgery on top of that does it sound great to have nipples I don't know. I never want to wear a bra again. So no, that, for me, that's definitely not something that I, I was like even considering, but it's also too, it is another surgery that I just didn't want the downtime from, you know? So there's, there's a lot of options out there and you don't have to do all these things right away. So I think that's important to note. So yeah, that's kind of like my, the gist of my appointments and my second opinions and why I made the choice help anybody going through like trying to figure out who they go to see or their feelings at appointments or after appointments and making the choice to to go with certain hospitals and not and you know go with what you feel go with your gut definitely do whatever it is that you feel comfortable and like that's ultimately the most important so I hope that this helps. And I'm really actually excited to hear about your second opinions on our next episode and why you chose the doctors you chose. And, you know, it's it's our cancers are the same, but our views and our um decisions on like why we chose things and didn't is so different. So I always love to hear, you know, how our stories vary.
0: Yeah. And and I love that it's so different because I'm learning a lot from you and I'm sure you're learning a lot from like, you know, why I chose to do things. So, I I think that I think that's really special in a way.
1: Um definitely. And we're just respecting each yeah. other's choices too. You know, I didn't I didn't go I went down a different route than you did, but I I totally relate to why you would do, you know, you you chose what was mm-hmm. good for you. Exactly. And I respect it. You know, and I think um I think that's everyone's journey is so different and we just have to be there for each other and respect the choices and just be there.
0: Thank you all for listening to our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us. And we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer.
1: Ladies, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at tyftspodcast. Our email is podcast at gmail.com. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes.